Welcome to the Coach House Beacons. Hi there. Have you ever convinced yourself that you've done something only to realise that you did something similar, not necessarily the thing in question, and then you've been caught out because the thing you thought you had done was now required, whilst the thing that you had done, which you thought was the thing that was required, was not required at all, at the time that you thought it was. Confused? Well, so was I, and I suspect I'm not the only one. It's Andy here with today's Beacon. Now, I suppose the ramble at the beginning of this is because, well, here's my confession, and or excuse if you like, I completely forgot about getting this beacon in on time. Because, and I know that this is not a good reason, I had done my preaching notes early and deposited them in the same way that I would a beacon transcript, ready for Sunday. And I then convinced myself that the beacon was therefore done. All well and good, until a timely reminder pops up from the beacon management team that I'm late with my submission. Whoops. Then all becomes terribly clear. So how do I put things right? Well, firstly, I apologise to the management team for letting them down. Secondly, I do what is required before the situation gets worse. And you're reading or listening to this, so here it is. And thirdly, I recognise my failure and put steps in place to make sure it doesn't happen again. I suppose that this is a familiar exercise for a lot of us. As you listen or read these quali- to these qualifications, I'm sure that they will strike a chord, either within yourself or from other examples that you will have come across. Let me recall a scripture that has come to me. In fact, it is one of my foundational quotations when it comes to my worship of God. It's from the prophet Isaiah, who was sent to God's who, who was sent to speak God's words to the nation of Judah. He says this in Isaiah 58, in the first nine verses. Shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud. Don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and they seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending that they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been hard on ourselves and you don't even notice it. I will tell you why, I respond. It is because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarrelling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. So humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourself with ashes. Is that what you call fasting? Do you really think that this will please the Lord? No, this is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then your salvation will come like dawn and your wounds will quickly heal. Your godliness will lead you forward 
and the glory of the Lord will protect you from behind. Then when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here. He will quickly reply. Now, this was a time of great turmoil for God's chosen people. The kingdom had been divided and Israel in the north had decided to take its chances with kings who did not follow God faithfully. This resulted in them being conquered by the nation of Assyria. The southern half of the kingdom was known as Judah and unlike Israel, it had a number of kings who tried to remain faithful to God. As a result, they survived as a nation for longer before they too finally fell to the kingdom of Babylon in 586 BC. And during all of this time, God sent messengers to warn the kings of the consequences of their disobedience and unfaithfulness. If you do what's right, you'll be blessed. But if you continue to do wrong, you'll be punished. Now, this all sounds quite draconian, doesn't it? However, we see this played out in our lives on an almost daily basis. Do the right things, and we're generally happy and satisfied. Do the wrong things... And we suffer, maybe not physically sometimes, but certainly in our spirit, our conscience and our mental well-being. There are always consequences to our actions. In this passage, the people of Judah think they have been doing the right things. But in reality, they've just been playing lip service. It had become a meaningless ritual. Now, some would have genuinely been given honour to God with hearts that were truly wanting to worship him. But the focus of this passage is on those who are in a position to lead others in this worship, the kings or the priests that have been given the instructions directly from the prophets. Now before you shout that this isn't fair, why should the nation be punished because the kings and priests were disobedient? We have to realise that their actions would have consequences for the nations because the nation had allowed them to have dominion over them. It had been their choice in the first place. The prophet Isaiah told them in no uncertain terms that what they were doing was not what God required. Their actions were going to cause separation and the prophet Isaiah was warning them about this. Years later, God will prove his faithfulness to the people by bringing them out of this captivity. You see, he never abandons us and always gives us a way out. And he will continue to do so until there is no time left. Peter writes to believers in his second letter that God is patient with us, not wanting any to perish without him. You'll find those words in 2 Peter 3 verse 9. It says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Now think about that for a second. Patient with those that already belong to him and patient with those who do not. But one thing is certain, a day is coming when all things come to an end, and there will be no other chances. You would think that people would learn their lesson. However, history tells a different story. We sing a song today about coming back to the heart of worship. It's in my mind now because we sang it on Sunday. Singing the song doesn't achieve anything by itself. It's worthless just as the fasting and other things the people of Judah were doing were also worthless. God looks at our hearts and see what motivates our songs or actions. A song or fasting is not what God requires, if the heart behind it is flawed. 
Now I must put a caveat in here because our singing today is restricted by the COVID regulations. So now more than ever, our worship comes from the heart and we concentrate on the words perhaps with greater focus. All this serves to fix our eyes on Jesus who rescues us from the certainty of separation from God. God provided the sacrifice of Jesus to satisfy his requirements because as we are plainly seen, we cannot do it ourselves. I'm so thankful that Jesus understands my failure and hurts, that he undertakes to pay the price for my past, present and future, and that in him I am clothed with righteousness that I do not deserve. And how have I achieved this? Well, I said sorry to the management. I recognise my wrongs and I ask God to forgive me. Secondly, I did what was required to make the situation correct before things got worse. I asked Jesus to take over my life and run things from now on. And thirdly, I submitted to the leading of the Holy Spirit, who now lives in me as a guarantee of God's promises, and I allow him to teach me, lead me, and make me more like Jesus day by day. On the days I struggle, I work harder to remind myself that I need to stop striving in the wrong things and simply thank Jesus for all that he has done and is doing. Let me finish with the words from the song that that we alluded to earlier. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart, I'll bring you more than a song for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within. Through the way things appear, you're looking into my heart and coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things that I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you, Jesus. Coach House Beacons, the Coach House Church Daily Devotional. To find out more, Join us on Facebook, Instagram or on our website at www.coachhousechurch.org.